Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. I want to talk to you about possessing the land. God brought the Israelites to their promised land. He said for them to go in and possess it. It was theirs. He had given it to them. They just had to trust him. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 8. Now these scriptures will be from the New King James Version. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. Unfortunately, as we know, they did not trust God. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 26 through 23, really just a few verses down, Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you complained in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim are there. No, wait, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. So this is God speaking to them and reminding them how he led them and how he had been taking care of them and watching over them. And because of, you know, some bad reports from the scouts telling them how, you know, the cities were great, greatly fortified and walled and and the the people were tall and strong you know so they believed those reports rather than believing God they did not believe Caleb and Joshua who had given them the good report hey let's let's go in and take it the Lord is with us we can do this you know so <clears throat> so they did not believe God and did not go into the land They wandered the desert for 40 years until they all died, and then their children went in to possess the land. Now, their children, the young ones who were not old enough to be held responsible, who had no decision-making, who had no uh, place in this and did not disobey God, they they were the ones that went in to uh, possess the land. Now, was that the best for them? Their children did still get God's promise in the end. They did receive the promised land. I mean, God was faithful. He fulfilled his part of the bargain. But I think we can all agree it would have been much better if they had believed God to begin with. They would have gone in to possess the land, and they would have had the promised land. Much like Adam and Eve, if they had just believed God and not been swayed by what they saw and by what they were tempted with. I want to draw a parallel here. In a similar way, 
Jesus gave us the Great Commission. See the way Jesus presents the order to the apostles. He starts here by fussing at the apostles for their unbelief and hardness of heart, which is true, because they did not believe when they had been told that Jesus was risen. Now this is in Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 16. A lot of times we just look at 15 and 16, but but look at 14 too. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. They should have been expecting this. They should have known this was going to happen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So first the Lord rebukes their unbelief, their lack of faith. They were intent on the problems, what they saw that was against them. I mean, I'm sure, well, first Jesus was dead. That was a fact. And that was a fact to them, especially at that time. Possibly they saw all of Rome as a real threat to them. And, and it was. Rome was not, you know, you know, Rome could be a harsh, a harsh place. And then as well, they had the Jewish, Jewish rulers and council, council against them. So they probably felt the entire world was against them, which it probably was in a lot of ways. Admittedly, these are big issues. These are giants to contend with in your life. Okay, so, so that's where they were, but Jesus is telling them, he's rebuking their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him and, and the report that he was risen. Okay? So he tells them to go and preach to everyone. Now, telling them to go and preach to everyone was a huge task. Okay, they were to spread this to everybody. Let's go back to what Jesus says. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is a huge task. Now, admittedly, I'm sure to some extent, even they knew that this was, they were just the beginning. They weren't physically going to go speak to everyone in the world. But this was a huge task, especially with all they felt that was arrayed against them. So, it would be difficult just from a logistical and travel standpoint for them in their day. Look back at their day. You know, now we got cars, jets. We just we just pop around. We can be all over the world in a few hours. You know, uh, worst case scenario, a few days. For them, you know, traveling a hundred miles was days, days of travel. You know, what I can do in a couple hours. They they had to walk. They had to hoof it, and it would be days of travel. It was not. There was no easy way, even if you ran like the marathon people, okay? And if you could do that every day of your life, okay, then what could you cover in a day? You could cover a few hundred miles in a day. And that's if you could keep up that pace every day all the time, okay, consistently. Which really, realistically, we know that you, you really couldn't. You couldn't run like 10 miles an hour for 16 hours a day every day, most likely. Now, there might be extreme, um, what's the word, athletes that could do something like that. But could you do that all your life, every day, all the time? 
Probably not. So, um, you know, so for them, days, days of travel to even cover 100 miles is, is more realistic. Because you would have walked and you probably would have covered about, and I'm going to say roughly 20 miles a day. You know, because you're on a journey and it's going to take you about five days to cover 100 miles. And then, you know, you would have, you know, you would speak to people, do whatever. And then let's say you have to move on to the next town or whatever. Well, the next town might only be 20, 30 miles away, but that's still a day or more's travel. So everything takes so much time. There's a lot involved in this. All right. So just, just from traveling, this was a thing. It was also very dangerous. They were likely to die in a lot of unpleasant ways. Um, there's the harshness of, of, of nature, and back then they did not have the technology and the things that we have now that we take for granted. And we do. We, we take a lot of things for granted. We don't even think about it. Um, and that's okay. I mean, that's a fact of life, and they just did not have all this stuff. And then here they had a world that they felt was arrayed against them, you know, they could easily be, uh, the Jews could, you know, stone them. We, we, we know that happened. They could be uh, thrown into jail. They could be executed in a number of different ways, beheaded. They could be crucified. It's Rome. Rome was big on crucifixion for, for people. Yet, these men did just what they were supposed to do. They started a spiritual fire that we are still blessed with today. They went and they preached the gospel to all that they could. Most were martyred in one way or another for the faith, for their faith. To follow the Great Commission, we must also represent Jesus to the world. We are still to go in and possess the land for the Lord. Not by physically taking over but by spiritually converting in love and by being that representative of representative I'm sorry of the lord in the world in your community being that representative of the lord in your world your personal area in your um, community we are to go in and possess the land for the Lord. Now we're talking about spiritually, mentally, emotionally, kind of physically, but not exactly. It's not like we're trying to own the land or take over things, not like that. Um, but more spiritually and mentally and emotionally being there for people as a representative of the Lord to set the right example and to do the right things even when we feel the pressure of society and, and society is in a lot of ways against our beliefs and against, uh, well, I mean, I'm just going to say it, in a lot of ways against the love of God. Now, there are times when people in society surprise me and they, they do these good and nice things for each other and that's, that's very good. That proves that they have good hearts. But a lot of them have been deceived and told that there's something wrong, you know, with following God or believing the Lord. And we need to represent that correctly, represent the Lord in the correct way, so that they will see and know that what they've been told or what they've been taught or maybe shown by others is incorrect. So as the apostles did, we must possess the land 
of our lives and represent Jesus. It can be difficult. There are some mean and hateful people. There are. There are difficulties and strife, to be sure, and, and there will be, of course. But we can't withdraw from the world and hide. And we don't want to just leave our problems for our children to deal with. You know, that's, that's not fair. That's not good for them. We are to trust in God, believe in the Lord. If you think about it too, just thinking of our children, we also want to set this example for our children. If our children do not see us doing this and see us setting that example, then, you know, who are they going to see that in? When or when or where are they? Probably never. If you do not do this and set this, this example for your children, probably no one will. So we are to trust in God, believe in the Lord. Do not worry about the troubles, the issues. Walk by faith and not by sight. Do not focus on the problems that are against us in the world. Now, I'm not saying ignore them. I'm not saying don't acknowledge them. I'm saying don't focus on those problems. Focus on the problem solver. Focus on God the Father. Focus on the Lord, Jesus. That's our focus. Okay. Yes, we acknowledge the problems and the issues. And we may speak about it. We may speak against it if, if there's something going on that's wrong. But don't get too caught up in focusing on that because the Lord, he is the problem solver. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do not focus on what we see. Instead, look to the Lord and trust in God the Father. God will show us the way we should go. So I want to thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, God loves you.